we said. The Press Box. Ah, we've been away, but now we're back. It is the Press Box Podcast. And Mike Grace from my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, here to offer up just a slice of what you can hear each and every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. Before we get to today's podcast and our very special guest, Tim Brando, coming up, I'll remind you, you can win our Fall into a PressBox Paradise contest courtesy of Meyer Vacation Rentals, Breakline Optics, and the PressBox. Your chance to win a three-night stay in a two-bedroom golf front condo to win just visit our main page, pressboxradio.com, find the Paradise banner, easy to find. Just click that link, plug in your name, address, and contact info, and you're in. And then to increase your chances of winning, we'll find us on social media. A number of things you can do. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Do us a retweet, a reshare. Every time you do one of those, it's an extra entry for you. Again, find us on social media, pressboxradio1 on Twitter and Facebook. Enter as many times as you would like, and then uh, maybe your name will be drawn on Friday, September 3rd, when we pick our winner for that three-night stay in a two-bedroom golf front condo, courtesy of Meyer Vacation Rentals, Breakline Optics, and the Press Box, your chance to fall into a Press Box paradise. All right, let's get to it, shall we? Tim Brando, the great Timmy B, about to start his 23rd season of college football with partner Spencer Tillman. Uh, we talked to him on the eve after we lost the legendary coach Bobby Bowden, but we started asking him about his broadcast partner for what is now 22-plus years. It's Tim Brando on partner Spencer Tillman. Yeah, I tell you, I talk about blessings to be with your best friend to call Saturday games, and Spencer's been my best friend for 23 years. Uh, and, you know, we knew one another prior to that time. I actually did his audition uh, rehearsal reel uh, before he actually signed a free agent's contract with the Houston Oilers to come back after he had been with the 49ers and won a Super Bowl with Joe Montana. This was around 1991, and uh, he was, I knew he was going to be an outstanding analyst, and um, I was still working at ESPN at the time, and they were working out some different analysts, as they oftentimes do in the summer. And um, I did three different rehearsals that day, and one of them was uh, was Spencer, and he was a can't-miss. But uh, Jerry Glanville uh, brought him in. And he was a Channel 2. He loved calling him Channel 2 because when he had him originally in Houston, uh, he was working at KPRC in the offseason. You know, back in those days before OTAs, uh, NFL players had other jobs in the offseason. And uh, Spencer was in media, was working with the legendary Ron Franklin, at uh, KPRC uh, as a as a, a weekend anchor, uh, so he knew what he wanted to do uh, yeah. in television, and he was he, the core values and skill set was there. He was ready made for TV the moment he got out of um, out of football. But he had another few years uh, to make some big time money with the owners after he had won a Super Bowl ring. So he had a second visit there, and 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 uh, when he replaced Lou Holtz and Craig James. Uh, after the 97-98 season uh, and came in to be with me for uh, the um, CBS College Football Today, uh, he had young, young baby girls. And, of course, my, my daughters were a little bit older. And I'll never forget that first weekend. They were up in New York with me, and he had his girls with him because he had, he had been working weekends at WABC in New York. Uh, and that's how CBS really discovered him. He was working in the city as an, as an anchor. Uh, and his family was still in Houston. So he was commuting uh, for his broadcasting career to get started. 
not a bad gig to have to be the number two guy in New York, you know, in the uh, uh, in the mid '90s, which is where he was uh, cutting his teeth. So he uh, he came over to CBS at that point, and uh, our family's just really connected, and uh, we've been great friends ever since. So it was a a match made in heaven, you know, in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Tim, it's Chris, and you know, it's it, this is such an enjoyable can be such an enjoyable business and industry but when you get a chance to work with friends it, it's really really cool i think back of show that i i had a chance to i felt like i was almost eavesdropping every every sunday working with you and joe dean jr on a little radio <laughs> yeah. show that we did on on sundays sunday nights in alabama for a, a couple of basketball seasons where i had the tough task of trying to get you me and, and really you and joe in and out of breaks on time that was my challenge there were hard breaks uh but just the interaction between you and joe who were were so close for so long right those type those type of relationships and those type of interactions you get a chance to have on air are really really special yeah and you know chris i i've never had a I've never had a, a, a tough relationship with anybody I've ever worked with. You know, I've, I've always been friendly with everyone I worked with. However, there are some that stand out, you know, relationships that stand out in your career that, you know, you keep forever. Um, uh, Larry Kindly is another uh, example. You know, Larry, gosh, I, I'll talk to him three or four times a year just to check on him. Uh, and he, <laughs> you know, it just brings back such memories. Now he was a veteran, uh, probably 10 to 15 years, um, older than me. Uh, I think probably 10, he's probably 70. Yeah, he's probably in his late seventies now. Um, probably 12 or so years older than me. And I looked up to Larry, not only as a player, but also as a, as an analyst, he had been doing it for quite some time. You know, he had worked, uh, you know, the, uh, regional finals with Dick Stockton in the mid eighties, uh, for CBS and, and, uh, had done some really big time broadcasts as I was kind of coming up, uh, the regional route, you know, doing games for Jefferson pilot and, and some games in my earliest days at, at, uh, at ESPN. And so when I got paired with guys like him, um, and I think the thing with Jojo that was fun was he reminded me, it was almost like I was in a time warp and I was really working with his father. You know, it was, it was like I was working with Jodine Sr. I sort of felt like I was doing the SEC Saturday game, and I'm playing the role of John Ferguson, uh, listening to Jodine, you know, hitting the string music thing. And and so it, Joe and I were about the same age, and so we, we connected right away. Uh, had a lot of the same friends. Uh, his, um, uh, his career sort of mirrored mine in terms of, uh, you know, when we were coming up, you know. And um, – but yeah, when you have that kind of relationship with people, uh, the job itself is like cruise control. You know, now we're just doing the game. You're not worried about um, the the relationship that you're having that you have with the guy you're on the air with. A lot of people have to do that. I mean, even on big shows, big big broadcasts have personalities sometimes that don't necessarily mesh, and you can tell. You know, whether I think the audience can certainly tell whether the two guys that are calling the game or male and female that are calling the game have um, a relatable relationship. It, it, it definitely matters. 
Uh, it's JD down in Mobile. I have a hard time saying, "Hey Tim," I, I feel like I, I'm compelled to say, "Mr. Brando," because <laughs> you're, <laughs> well, you're on one of my Mount. You're Timmy on my Mount Rushmore. He works just fine. Okay. okay. Well, you you were talking about chemistry um, in your career because I followed it so close, and we had you on here because so we want to talk about SEC new members, mega conferences, name image likeness, some of that stuff, and yeah. we'll get there. I just want to say I was a news guy for over 11 years as well. I did some TV. Uh, a lot of news reporting. And the one thing that in Tim Brando's career of all the great games, calls, et cetera, is the way you became a news reporter. And I watched it like a hawk because I said, I'm going to see how they handle this was the, the night the tornado hit the Georgia Dome and you turned into a news reporter wall to wall for a very long period of time. That amazed me how you handled that situation. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I will also say that when you're doing live sports, that's the that's the key is that the environment sometimes becomes the story, uh, not the teams, but the atmosphere. Uh, it could be the climate or it could be, you know, something about the climate that night. It was about tornadoes and uh, and and you're you're now the on the scene reporter. And so you do have to flip the switch and move from what was important, which was a hell of a game uh, between between Mississippi State and Alabama and an incredible fallaway shot with the iron kind of Mikhail Riley uh, to force overtime and then have that happen. Uh, it, it, um, it was quite natural for me because I, I had been around the business a while and I learned from some of the best and was mentored by, I mean, the guys that sort of wrote the book, the, the unwritten book of, of, uh, of live event broadcasting, you know, the things that you have to do. Uh, but at the time that you're doing it, you're not thinking about it. You're, you're just reacting to, to what's going on and you're making that shift without really thinking about it. And we had um, uh, Dave Baker, who's a, you know, a great sideline reporter who you knew was going to be hustling to find out whatever he could from the officials that were there about the timeline and what was happening. And then we also uh, clearly had, uh, because it was our show and the, the SEC was uh, in the midst of having to make decisions, Mark Womack was not far from us. Uh, the, the, the other supervisors and officials, many of whom are still there, um, you know, they were they were in a position where they could give us whatever updates they could about the situation with the building, whether it was secure enough to finish that particular game. You know, the, the, the toughest part of that particular um, night was when the, the Alabama-Mississippi Mississippi State game ended, then what? You know, what, Georgia and Kentucky were scheduled to play, but now they've got decisions to make about the long-term future of the evening and the tournament. Where, where were they going to go? What were they going to do? Was the building secure enough to play an, an entire game? And we were getting well, well into the wee hours of the night. So I think to some extent uh, when it was over, then I thought about it. <laughs> you know, I didn't have time to think about what I was doing other than just reporting what I was seeing and, and learning and, and trying to move things along and utilize everyone around me. Uh, you become a traffic cop of sorts at that time. 
you kind of, and my studio skill probably played a, a, a very strong role in that because uh, unlike a lot of play-by-play guys, uh, I did a lot of studio work uh, in the years leading up to 2008 when that happened. And um, wearing two different hats and having the versatility to go from play-by-play to studio mode probably was um, something that helped me quite a bit. Yeah, you're doing that on TV. I had people, I had people telling me afterwards that it reminded them of what Al Michaels did when the earthquake hit in 89 at the World Series, and that was extremely flattering. And 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 I will tell you, I too marveled at what he did. You know, And, and he's one of the all-time greats, still is, and probably the best to have ever done it. Um, and have that kind of comparison was pretty cool. When I got back to the hotel, which was the Marriott Marquis, uh, and we went through sort of the demilitarized zone. It looked like a war zone leaving the Omni, uh, the um, the Georgia Dome that night. But when we got to our hotel, they had power. There was no sign of anything even having happened. You know, up up around Peachtree Street where we were, uh, you know, it looked like a war zone. But I got back to um, our hotel. Cell phones were beginning to work at that time, and I had countless messages from fellow broadcasters you know, complimenting me. And that was a little bit like, um, it was almost like I won some sort of a award that night. I had so many calls from friends in the business and it was really uh, heartfelt and, and, and really flattering to hear from them. And at that point, I sort of kind of let myself, uh, allow myself to think about what we had just done. But we didn't have long, Chris, as you know, because we got a wake-up call at about six in the morning saying, get over to Georgia Tech for a noon, uh, a noon game, <laughs> yeah. which we had to do shortly thereafter. Between That was quite a day, too. The next day, Georgia and Kentucky, sure. and Georgia, you know, playing um, all those games in one day and winning them all in an incredible setting, really. I got five minutes left with you. Let's go Coach Bowden and uh, yeah. amazing uh, – who who he was as a man, let alone the football part, but you had an awful lot of interaction with him and still do with Terry, I know. Yeah. Well, I talked to Bobby a week ago today. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things I could call him anytime, and Miss Ann would say, was, it, was this Tim? And I said, yeah. And she'd say, well, <laughs> boy, <laughs> I can hear him in the back. Is that Brando? Okay. You know, how you doing, boy? You know, that kind of thing. He, he always was welcoming. I don't know that I ever talked to him when he was, uh, when he wasn't excited to hear from me. And, uh, you know, Terry would always give me the lay of the land. And about a month ago, he told me we were at a uh, function for the National Football Foundation, North Louisiana chapter, which I emceed, and Terry and his staff from ULM had come over. And, uh, as you know, that's my alma mater. And, um, I was very much a, a Terry Bowden proponent, really wanted him to get the job. Bobby was beaming when he got the job. And I'm forever grateful that uh, we were able to have a formal announcement for Terry on January the 18th. And uh, Bobby and uh, one of our boosters had a plane and went over and picked up Bobby and Tommy and Miss Ann, and they came to Monroe that day. And you can imagine what a big deal that was to that community and to that and to end of the school. Uh, it didn't hurt that the uh, wife of the president of the school is a Florida State undergrad. <laughs> so yeah, good call. She was pretty excited that Coach Bowden was there too. But uh, but Bobby was beaming because Terry, you know, was was coaching again, and he he would always tell me, 
Tim, he would say, Tim, you know, of all my boys, he says, you know, uh, Jeff loved, he won't be position coach. He'd say, uh, Tommy, now Tommy's boy, but he's got other interests. And, but, uh, Terry, my boy, (laughs) Terry, he, he, in terms of X's and O's, not him putting up plays and, and getting he, He's he's the coach's coach. He's more of a coach than I am. You know, he would always say that. You know what? Oh, he would, you know what? And, and I broke uh, down film I'm with so, the guy for a TV I'm so show. Proud he's... That he's back at it. But wow. I called him and we talked. I said, Coach, how are you doing? He says, I, I'm, Tim, I'm, I'm at peace. He said, I'm at peace, boy. I feel good. He said, I'm just so happy to hear your voice. And he said, well, one thing, you know, I get tired quick. I'm sleeping a lot. He said, but you caught me at a good time. Before I before I leave you, though, would you please do me a favor? And I was like, yeah. He said, I love it when you do those impersonations. Will you give me a Keith Jackson? And then after you do that, will you do me? Would you just do me? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was involved in two roasts, both in Birmingham. For Bobby Bowden, uh, the Rotary Clubs had him for him after he won his two national championships. And I posted a picture in one of my tweets yesterday of my doing uh, an impression of him. And you can see he's almost fallen out of his chair laughing. And that brought me a lot of uh, joy, too, to make him laugh. But that's the thing about Bobby. He had no – I mean, he he was selfless in the way he coached but he didn't mind ever being the butt of the joke either. He, he didn't mind it at all. In fact, he encouraged it. He wanted it. Uh, he never took himself seriously, He loved, but he took his job seriously. But right. he never took himself seriously. And, and I know a lot of Alabama fans identify with him, not only because he's a Birmingham boy, but because he embraced Bear Bryant so much. You know, he built the program at Howard later Sanford through getting the players that bear would sign, but he had no room for, you know, there were no scholarship limitations back then. So he said, he said, well, what I'd do is I'd go up to see coach Bryant and, and coach Bryant would say, well, this one and this one and this one, I got no room for them. You can have, you can go ahead and take them. (laughs) So he said, so I got my ball players, a lot of them from Bayer. So yeah, we were pretty good, (laughs) you know, (laughs) <laughs> but uh, and even after the Alabama thing went down that. when Ray Perkins left and he didn't get the job and that was unfortunate and, and it was how how history could have been rewritten if he had gotten that job he never it, 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 I think at that point he knew it was his calling to stay at Florida State and 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 Chris I'm going to tell you and, and I know I, I might rankle a few Alabama fans when I say this. Um, I mean, there's no question the most dominant and and greatest coach in college football is Nick Saban. There's no doubt about that. But and even Bobby would tell you that he'd say, you know, that guy, that that not Saban. That's a different. Uh, he's in a whole different level. <laughs> yeah. He would even even Bobby would say that. But you cannot compare the building blocks and the job of building a program from nothing from. A, a, a foundation was zero. Right, that Florida awesome. State had. That's mm. the best building job in the history yeah. of college football, for sure, and maybe of all of sport. When Bobby Bowden started at Florida State, it was a teacher's school, and he turned it into a football powerhouse. No doubt about that. Great memories of Coach Bowden, courtesy of Tim Brando of Fox Sports, kind enough to join us here 
inside the press box. Hi, if you like what you hear, a couple things you can do. First of all, subscribe to this press box so you get it every time we offer a brand new one. And if you would, share it with a friend as well. They can find us wherever they find their favorite podcast, Apple and Google, plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Just tell them, simply search Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one to find us here on the Press Box Podcast. Again, your chance to fall into a Press Box paradise and to win online at PressBoxRadio.com. Just that simple and find us on social media to uh, do extra entries. Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one. Until next time. Oh, don't forget. Hey, tomorrow, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, joins us inside the Press Box. Until then, for Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, Mike Grace thanking you for joining us here inside the Press Box.